Welcome to Undisputed, a Norton Rose Fulbright podcast. I'm Ted Brooke. And I'm Erin Brown. We're excited to be hosting this special mini-series to unpack the findings of our firm's annual litigation trends report. For 19 years, our firm's research has tracked changes and trends defining the litigation landscape, from dispute types and exposure to litigation preparedness and in-house legal staffing, by surveying legal professionals at organizations of all sizes across key commercial sectors in Canada and the U.S., In Undisputed, we'll explore the emerging trends and insights concerning the litigation challenges industry leaders are facing in 2024. Hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Undisputed, a special mini-series from the Disputed team. My name is Ted Brooke, and I'm joined by my co-host, Aaron Brown. Aaron, how are you doing? I'm good. Do you know what this episode represents, Ted? Uh, I don't know. Is it the first anniversary of us recording together? It is the absolute first episode that we've ever recorded together as co-hosts. I'm hoping that our guest doesn't feel that he's uh, he's our guinea pig today. I'm flattered, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so with no further ado, uh, we should introduce our guest for this first episode of Undisputed and our first time co-hosting together. Uh, we have François-David Perré, who is a partner at Norton Rose Fulbright and who is also the local chair of litigation and disputes for Montreal. Welcome, François-David. Well, thank you. Or, or welcome FDP, as he is affectionately known across our firm. Our first, you know, real substantive question for you to kick this off is, are we on the standard that we can call you FDP now? You sure can. Absolutely. (laughs) I I, want to know, FDP, how do I get to the level where people just know me by my initials? Like, how, how many cases did you have to win before people just started calling you by your initials? You know what? You only need a a knifeinated French Canadian first name with a group of anglophones and then people go just follow the path of least resistance and take the easy way out. Very excited to have you here, FTP. What we're doing um, with this special mini-series is taking a look at the Norton Rose Fulbright 2024 Annual Litigation Trend Survey, aka the survey or the LTS, as I've heard it called, another acronym. Uh, Just for, for anyone who's new to the survey, we've been publishing this for almost two decades uh, at Norton Rose Fulbright. It's sort of a bit like a a Bible for our firm on current perspectives from corporate counsel and the trends in the North American uh, litigation market. Aaron and I sort of want to learn more about it from from the experts, from people like UFDP, and we're going to be talking to a few different litigators over the next couple weeks about the specifics. So, Aaron, I don't know, do you want to kick things off with with a question? So, uh, François-David, before we dive into the actual content of the survey, why don't you give our guests just a little flavor of what you and your uh, and your practice and your role at Norton Rose Fulbright looks like? Oh, so I'm, uh, I'm a litigator, obviously. I'm uh, the local chair of uh, the Montreal Litigation Group. I've been practicing uh, myself longer than the, uh, the survey has been uh, standing. And I have a major, I'd say, in class actions and a minor in securities. But I do a, a whole bunch of, of, of various types of, uh, of litigations, but those will be my main areas of practice. And what about the litigation group in Montreal more broadly? I'm sure your colleagues, um, I know some of them 
quite well that I practice with. I know there's a, a great competition uh, litigation specialty there, employment and labor, kind of uh, across the spectrum expertise. Absolutely. We probably have the largest litigation group in the city and, and we cover almost any types of litigation, I was going to say, except for criminal, but we do we do penal, statutory penal uh, cases. I was also going to say except for family law, but we did, we did the, a, a landmark case in that area as well. So, I mean, we, we basically cover the ground on, on all types of, of litigation. We have an amazing white collar practice, insolvency practice, uh, securities. Uh, we, 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 have a, we have an amazing team in Montreal. We name it, you do it. Exactly. Okay, so diving into the litigation trends survey, which we're excited to uh, pick your brain on today, what's your sense of why NRF prepares the survey every year? Well, that's a good question. I'm going to answer it by saying what value I see in it. I see value for for both the firm and the legal markets on, on, on two fronts, I would say. The first one is that the survey gives you an understanding of the type of litigations that respondents are involved in. So you can you, you can see the trends, you can see what's out there, what people are involved in. To give you an example, one of the interesting uh, statistics from this year's survey is that 61% of the respondents are involved in, in regulatory proceedings. So, uh, and we see an optic, we, we see an increase from the previous year by almost 20%. So obviously you can see from, from that statistic statistics that people are involved in, in regulatory proceedings, both in, in Canada and the U.S. On a, on a smaller scale, but still interesting, I'm going to give you an example for, for ESG-related uh, litigation, where this year, one in 10 respondents said they were, they were involved in those type of litigations, compared to only 2% in, in 2022. And uh, um, and that's something that we actually uh, anticipated and 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 said in our in our survey last year that we anticipated an increase in in, in ESG litigation. So this would be the first value I see in in the report. What type of litigations people are involved in? The second would be what's top of mind. What's keeping GCs and in-house counsel awake at night because we survey their preoccupations and, and, and where they see an increase in litigation or increase in risk. Another example of that from this year, which is probably the biggest highlight I see in this or the biggest piece of information I see from this survey is that 40% of the respondents felt more exposed to cybersecurity and, and data protection litigation. And so again, this tells us that cyber is top of mind and, and that at least for almost half of our respondents, they, they feel that they're going to be more exposed to it. So obviously that's a big concern. And there's also an, a, a part of the survey, which is more, I'd say, uh, I have administrative in mind, but that's not the right word. But anyway, more geared towards legal spend, uh, the size of of the of the announced uh, legal departments on from the respondents, the the level of uh, of preparedness they feel. So there's also information on on um, not specifically on litigation, but on on their the management of the, the, the their in house in house legal departments as well. I like the way you put that sort of like. There's value for companies who are dealing with litigation because you can just sort of see, like, are we the only ones facing this uptick or is this a market-wide issue? Is it specific to our sector or is it unique to, to our you know, business uh, specifically? But then, as you said, there's also value for, for us as external counsels. We can see what is keeping uh, our clients up at night. 
And that's what I like most about reading the report is, is looking for those things where I know that the clients I'm working with are probably falling into certain categories and then, and then I can get a better sense of, of uh, how we can help them. After that, we can, we can slice and dice the data to look for industry-specific concerns or in, in all type of, of analysis and, and modulations that we get from, from the survey. And so it provides a, a wealth of, uh, of information to, to, to both us and, and the market. And honestly, it gives you also a, a global view, a global snapshot, because we're sur- we've surveyed this year more than 400 GCs and in-house counsel, both in Canada and the U.S., clients and non-clients, because we want to give a, I'm going to say, more fulsome or, or unbiased approach to it. And it's also completed by in-depth survey uh, with certain of our clients to, 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 to complete the, uh, the actual information gathering. So it's, it's, um, it's useful and it's complete. You know, you mentioned sort of the, the increase in regulatory proceedings. Do you have a sense of what's driving that? Yes. Well, uh, in, 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 in various areas, we've seen, I'd say probably that the three industries where we've seen the, the greatest anticipated optics are technology. We've seen also an optic in consumer uh, markets and also in, in energy. With respect to technology, like I said, I mean, cybersecurity, data privacy, they, they are top of mind. We've seen new legislation. There's uh, people out there, the, the, the C Bill, Bill C-27 being discussed. We've seen even recently some experts. I'm thinking of Joshua Benjo, who came out in, in La Presse saying that, uh, uh, and he's probably one of the most prominent experts in, in, in AI, saying that, you know what, the government needs to legislate and, and fast. It, it creates a national risk because uh, the technology is evolving so fast and the legislature is not keeping up. And so in terms of regulatory risk, uh, technology is out there. Consumer market also, I mean, it, we've seen a lot of changes recently and changes coming up. Quebec adopted last year in, uh, in August changes to its uh, Consumer Protection Act on, on the program obsolescence. I was reading recently that um, Ontario is planning for big changes to its CPA. New Brunswick is coming up actually with, with the first iteration of a CPA, their first Consumer Protection Act. And so consumer market is also definitely an area where we are going to see some increased um, increased uh, efforts from, from the regulators, but also increased risk for, uh, for, for companies out there evolving in those markets. Yeah, it was actually one of the things that struck me about the highlights of the report is that most of the areas or, you know, several of the key areas where we're seeing an uptick in litigation are sort of going hand in hand with regulatory changes and updates. So ESG, for example, I do uh, quite a bit of work with our ESG team in Canada on the modern slavery reporting requirements. Those are coming into effect in May of, or, you know, requiring reports to be submitted uh, this year, including, uh, you know, a, a deadline of May 31st for a lot of companies. So companies are assessing their supply chains, they're looking at their suppliers, they're looking at, you know, supply chain ethics and supply chain transparency as part of that. And then there's a similar trend that's noted for cybersecurity where, you know, which, as you say, is the, is the area that seems to have the biggest growth in terms of, you know, potential for litigation or at least, you know, the, the perception of the potential for, for disputes there. And it's noted that there's also sort of a kind of data protection regulations there have, have 
grown in complexity. So, you know, it sort of got me thinking about the interplay between litigation and the potential for disputes and, you know, how that goes hand in hand with regulatory changes. Are these just, you know, is it just a coincidence or or is it that, you know, expanding and changing regulations drive litigation between private parties or just that, you know, these are hot topics that everybody's sort of thinking about at the same time. Regulators are regulating, companies are looking into it and it's sparking. Um, so That's such a good question. I was thinking actually that what's most interesting to me is how, although regulatory investigations are increasing, cybersecurity, data protection, becoming major uptick and in, in, in concerns, the things that are staying the same are also very interesting, right? We're continuing to see contract litigation and employment and labor litigation top of mind for everyone. And it's neat to see how that, that continues year over year. There are these areas that are still, you know, they may not be new, but they are certainly front of mind for people. I don't know if, if you've seen that in, in your practice either. Absolutely. With the pandemics and, and, and the concerns with uh, availability of labor, we've seen a lot of even class actions on that, wages. And, and so we, we, these are usual type of litigation that we see on and on. And, and, and then there's the, to your point, Aaron, there's the increased risk that goes along with increased regulations. And we see that both in regulatory proceedings from the government or from from regulators or organizations out there, but we also see it on the private sector. We sit in class actions, obviously, with a a more uh, stringent regulatory scheme. Sometimes it takes a little time for for companies out there to adapt to it, and then boom, they're hit with a class action because they've reached a, a, a newly adopted regulation. And so those are definitely linked together the increase in 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 regulate reg, regulation with the increase in in litigation switching gears a little bit this is a north american survey right we we've, we've got us respondents we've got canadian respondents in your view uh, fdp is there anything unique or interesting about canada compared to the us like we do have different litigation markets but there's also a lot of cross border similarities so i'm i'm curious if if there was anything that jumped out uh, to you in the report well, our politicians are a bit different, but we don't see that from the survey. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, from the report, what I can see, uh, one, one thing that struck me was um, with respect actually to regulatory investigations and proceedings, because in Canada, more than half of the, rep- of the respondents expected a rise in, in regulatory investigations, where in, in the U.S. it was less than 40%. And this is actually a question that I asked Stefan El-Gerard during our, our webinars, because I hope I'll have a, a few a few uh, minutes at the end to talk about the webinars that we did. But I asked him why, and, and it was a, a, a very interesting answer. And I, I invite everyone to, to go and listen to it. But in a nutshell, Canada is probably a less, I'm going to say mature, that's not the word he used, he used a better word, but I mean, Advanced. Yeah. Advanced, yeah, you know, less, I don't want to say sophisticated, develop is probably a better word, but also less funded. And, and, and that's something that we see that our, our, our organizations are, 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 have been probably less funded. And so there was less, less investigations, less prosecutions, but we see a change. We see a change and good examples were discussed during the webinar. Eric Lefebvre discussed about antitrust, where we saw last year changes in the antitrust rules, where they now have sanctions that go 
up to, I mean, a significant monetary amount, but also that could lead to imprisonment. That's, that's something that came in last year. There's further changes coming down the pipe there as well that will actually, if they're implemented, just transform the competition litigation landscape. But that, I think, deserves its own episode later in the later in the season. And we might have to get uh, Eric on for that one. But sorry, uh, continue. Absolutely. No. And, and, and he was also saying that, uh, you know, uh, the, the Competition Bureau was actually going to increase its funding of its of its investigations and prosecution. So um, we see we see those change and then and, and then we, we can explain why probably Canadian respondents are more concerned about those regulatory investigation and proceeding than than in the U.S. And so that's another interesting aspect of, of the difference between U.S. and Canada. In my area of practice and class actions, we saw that there was an increase in, in personal injury class actions. And that's, that's something specific to the U.S. because you, we didn't used to see personal injury class action in the U.S. because basically the, the, the procedure was not adapted to individualize claim or individualize uh, specificities. But now we see some, some spin-off to this and we see an optic in, in uh, personal injury class actions that we don't, don't really see in Canada because, because it's not our reality. Right. And I'm sure there's probably some healthcare. There's a whole kind of array of, uh, I met one of our awesome uh, healthcare practitioners at a, at a seminar in the summer that Norton Rose Fulbright hosted. And, and sort of it struck me that that's just a whole area that really doesn't exist in the same way in Canada because our healthcare is obviously, you know, very you know, structured very differently. Was the, was that in our um, our New York or or uh, Texas offices? I think it's, I think he's from our Texas office. I'll have to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They've yeah. got a good team yeah, down there. Yeah. Um, the other thing, uh, FTP, we've moved along. I'm calling you FTP now. I'm, there you go. I'm there. <laughs> I think you had a uh, you had a quote actually in the survey uh, discussing this sort of regulatory um, difference in Canada, where it's actually sort of more anticipated by Canadian Council than U.S. Council. And you had mentioned, I think, the sort of lens that the deferred prosecution agreements bring to this, and how there may be sort of these additional tools for prosecutors can actually lead to, while you might look at it and think, oh, deferred prosecutions means there's, you know, just at the very base, maybe less exposure for companies, but it actually could drive more litigation or disputes because, you know, it's an additional tool that prosecutors can pursue. Correct. And it's quite new. I mean, we, we actually negotiated the first uh, deferred prosecution agreement in Canada a couple of years back. And so, and, and when you compare to the U.S., they have been doing this for, 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 for years and years. And so, obviously, that's a, a, another possibility for, for corporations out there. Obviously, we, we, we don't wish that to, to anyone to have to, to enter that, uh, that type of negotiation, but it's, it's available and, and, and sometimes it saves companies and jobs. It's, it's a new tool that the prosecution has. And um, I mean, we should use it when opportune. I feel like we've scratched the surface. We barely scratched the surface of the report. There's a lot of information here. As you said, uh, FTP, it's like uh, sliced and diced different ways, whether it's by sector or by issue. Like, honestly, do you have any ideas or tips for what a GC or any in-house counsel could like do with all this information, like like it's kind of like drinking from a fire hose. Like there's just so much here. What what should someone do if they're taking a look at this? Look at the highlights. See what concerns other GCs out there. We have a good snapshot of of the market, and then look at uh, how this translates or how this affects your company. And we've talked about 
cybersecurity and data protection, which is probably what's most top of mind to, to clients. Well, maybe it's a good opportunity to, to look at uh, what you've implemented internally in terms of how prepared are you uh, if, if ever a situation happens, how will you be able to react? Do you have breach counsel that will be able to be on the floor the very moment this thing happens? Because um, from experience, what we see in, in the litigations is that courts and in the judgment is that courts are actually looking at the reasonableness of the behavior of, of, the, of the companies. And, and they look at how prepared they were and how responsive they were. And so... We talk about litigation. Litigation is 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 the result of, of something that occurred prior. And if you can avoid litigation altogether, it's always better. One of the takeaways from the from the report, I think, is what's top of mind, what's coming up, what's out there, and have you addressed this you in in your with your with your uh, lawyers in house, with your board, and how prepared are you for these anticipated rises in litigation? I think that's a really good point. And one of the things that I was asking you before we started recording was, you know, in terms of preparedness for addressing litigation over the next year, one of the things that was a bit surprising to me in the report is that rising fees of outside counsel was actually the number one concern that was raised by in-house counsel in not feeling prepared for potential litigation or disputes coming down the pipe. And I was sort of asking you how clients, you know, if you have any suggestions for clients how to, on how to manage this. And I think, you know, what you conveyed in, in that discussion was that the easiest way is to be prepared. Um, well, I'll let you actually give your answer. But, um, you know, I think that the idea was to sort of be prepared at the outset, you know, and, and have your, your uh, affairs in order to try to avoid, um, you know, potential litigation coming down the pipe. And then, of course, having a great roster of people to, to call when you need them. No, absolutely. And obviously, uh, you need to um, address big pieces of litigation as, as projects. You need, good, you need lawyers that are excellent litigators and excellent lawyers, but you also need strong project managers. That's the best way to... to control the fees. But but being prepared is, is always the, I mean, avoiding litigation altogether is always better. Uh, but if you can't, obviously we're talking litigation, we're talking unexpected and, and, and fees are always a challenge to anticipate. Then I, I see, I see a, a no surprise approach with, with clients. I mean, clients should, should demand visibility what we have planned ahead, what are the next phases, how will this application or, or this discovery cost, and, and then they can decide. I find that I have very, very little difficulty with fees when clients are involved and when they have no surprises. And so I think it's all part of firms that invest in, 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 in strong project management, being able to have the technology to keep the clients informed and then having a transparent way of, of communicating that information so they can, I mean, track budget to actuals or track whatever alternative fee arrangement that you've put together. But then, I mean, the, the, the basic is having the right people with the right expertise do the, the, the right level of work, you know, and, and, and then trying to anticipate as much as you can and have no surprises in a, in a very unexpected uh, environment, you know, or uncontrolled environment, I should say. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. Um, our LPM team, like I use them all the time. They're they're fantastic. Head with the acronyms again here, eh? 
Uh, legal project management. Legal project management. I, I yeah. guess I'm as bad as, as, as some <laughs> some government organizations in a way, but but they 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 are very good. And I couldn't do my type of practice, which like you, FTP has a lot of class action work without um, legal project managers, right? It's just it's ingrained in what we do now, and and maybe we should, Aaron, have have some of uh, that team on on the show. You both just sort of touched on this idea of um, of sort of surprises and trying to avoid surprises. Did, you know, FDP question for you, but Ted, feel free to chime in with your thoughts too. Were either of you surprised by anything that you saw in this report? One thing did surprise me, and maybe it was just my ignorance, but there's there's a difference in the types of concerns that the respondents had, and there was a difference in the uh, most important attributes for working with outside counsel that the respondents had, depending on what level of market the business was in. So, um, depending on the revenue range of the client, clients you know who are in the um, highest revenue range are actually looking for different things in outside counsel than clients in in mid market or the more owner operated. Uh, respondents and and I, I guess that maybe that should have made sense to me, but it was surprising to see the data um, how that actually impacts their expectations of counsel and their concerns about what's in front of them. That's interesting. I I mean I I'm a bit biased because I've seen the reports. I mean coming out every year, and so I can follow the trends and whatnot. But something that at first glance uh, came out at me was. Industry specific, we saw a, an increase in concern from the financial sector in ESG related dispute, and and I mean I'm not at all like you are, uh, Aaron, an ESG lawyer, and I, and and I know very little about it, but I was wondering why would this industry specifically be more concerned, but then it allows you to to dig in and, and try to find what's happening. And I saw that the uh, Canadian Securities Administrator will actually start requiring mandatory ESG and climate risk disclosure for Canadian banks and FIs and I think insurance companies. And so you can explain and then you, you, you kind of have a reason and find a reason why you see these trends and it, it all made sense. And so that was one of the areas that that uh, surprised me, to be honest. But no, the, the main the main trends, uh, main trends I mean, I, I follow them every year. So that's a really interesting point about uh, industry specific. And it actually goes along with something that that really struck me at the report I was looking at. There's a section that breaks down the biggest area of concern by industry. When you look at the concerns by industry, obviously the report had highlighted cybersecurity as being, you know, a huge area of growth. And every single industry ranked that as either their number one or number two concern, except technology, which I thought was kind of interesting. But I think it, you know, and I'm just speculating, but it you know, sort of goes along with what uh, François-David was just saying, that different things happen at different time in different industries. And I was sort of speculating that it could be that cybersecurity issues and data protection issues and AI has just been on the radar of the technology industry for so much longer that they're just sort of ahead of the, you know, ahead of the curve on that I'm just speculating, but that that was kind of one thing I thought. And and I think that, you know, maybe sort of goes to your point of the the financial industry, 
you know, has maybe not had to, you know, be at the forefront as much on ESG because a lot of, at least, you know, a lot of what I'm working on now on ESG is supply chains, import-export concerns related to, you know, whether you're importing something from a region that's using uh, child labor or forced labor, which isn't as much of a concern in the financial industry, which is dealing, you know, more in services. Though, of course, the, you know, the sanctions piece and the corruption piece is, is potentially at the forefront for those industries. But, um, but yeah, there's some interesting trends um, by industry. For other industries on ESG, it was greenwashing that was top of mind. And so with different industries, different concern, different preoccupations. Absolutely. Now, people are listening to this at home or at work, and they actually want to see all the pretty graphs and charts and, and pie charts and explanations, uh, FDP. How can someone learn more about the survey and how can they actually get their hands on it? So the survey is on our website. I'm a Google kind of guy. So if you if you Google litigation trend survey 2024, Northern Rolls Fulbright, you're you'll get a link directly to it and you can you can look at the graphs and look at the data. Obviously we're we're more than happy to chat about it if if you're interested. We've recorded two seminars, one in English and one in French. Uh, the English seminar uh, webinar, we've uh, talked about uh, cybersecurity, ESG, and, and special situations and proxy battles. And on the French side, uh, we've also covered cybersecurity and, and data protection because, like we said, it's top of mind. But we've addressed uh, class actions and antitrust uh, and also regulatory investigations and proceedings and, and, and non-ethical uh, business conduct. And that would also be available very soon. I would recommend... Googling it, webinar, litigation trends, Northern Rose, I'm sure you're going to get access to it. We have a, a webinar page on our website and, and they're all posted there and, and they should be available by the time you actually listen to this podcast. It will probably be on our website. Fantastic. We'll, we'll definitely put links um, into the description uh, of this episode so people can also get them there too. Thank you for that. And you get CLE credits. If you watch the seminar, the webinars, you're going to get CLE credits. So. All Amazing. the better. All lawyers are trying to gather those before the end of the year. So it's not great. top of mind from the survey, but I'm sure it is for everyone listening. Well, speaking of thank yous, thank you so much for joining us and talking about all of these trends and bringing your experience and your insight and for being Ted and my guinea pig for our first <laughs> together. I think it was a success. Yeah. Thanks so much, FTP. Well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure, guys. Well, uh, that was fun. Yeah, I think we did. I don't know. I think we did a pretty good job for our first episode as co-hosts. I think we probably had it easy because FTP is a is a pretty good guest. Yeah, what a what an amazing uh, litigator and just a fantastic brain that man has. Yeah, no, it's true. So, well, who who do you think we should talk to for our our next episode of Undisputed? Oh, I think we have a lot of people to talk to this season because there's so much uh, that this report gives us to unpack. But I think cybersecurity and regulatory investigations are hot contenders. Yeah, I'm, I'm torn between cybersecurity and regulatory investigations. What do you think? I think our guests are going to have to wait and see. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you for listening to Undisputed, a disputed spinoff. To learn more and download our 2024 Litigation Trends survey, visit litigationtrends.com or visit the link in our show notes. And you can subscribe to Disputed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts currently 
so that you won't miss any of our episodes. 